Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to welcome each of you here this morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning today. Not so much the last day or two, but we're thankful for uh, God's protection and his love and blessings to us. I'll go through a few announcements with you and uh, before we get started with the service. Um, first of all, next Sunday, Ron Cootie will be speaking. And then on the 25th, Carvin Adams will be speaking. Also in the foyer, if you haven't done so already, sign in declaring your intent to attend the annual business meeting, which will be Wednesday, October 21st at 6.30 p.m. Some of y'all that are on Facebook know that I'm on Facebook and probably addicted to it more than I need to be. But uh, every now and then, I'll, uh, I'll come across some stuff that's kind of inspirational in between all the junk. And uh, I ran across a little deal. I'm on some farmer, farmer sites, different uh, ag-related stuff, and so along with that, different stuff will pop up. And uh, this one came from a, from a woman, her family ranches, uh, has a ranch and farm. And it's related to the year that, that we've all been, been a part of. Since the start of this year, my favorite dog died. I contracted an awful disease that could have been COVID. It probably wasn't but for sure it stole four days of my life. We've been crazy busy on the ranch. I hit my hand with a hammer dead on and really hard. I so severely burned my lip on microwave pizza rolls that it blistered. And there's been a Dr. Pepper shortage in our small town. You'd think 2020 is out to get me. And that's just the stuff that's happened to me personally. That doesn't include all the quarantine, the toilet paper shortage, the murder hornets, or any of the other crazy that's happened in our world this year. Really, one might argue that 2020 is out to get us, but it's not. This year is not out to get me. It's not out to get you or your neighbor Joe down the road. It's a year. It can't be out to get us. But you know who is out to get us? The enemy. Satan is literally out to get us. Get us away from God, that is, and he's hard at it. He'd love nothing more than to see us consumed by darkness and filled with hate and fear. And he's taken full advantage of everything that's been thrown at us this year, using every opportunity to turn us from the light and drive us deep into darkness. But just like Jesus warned us of the trouble we'd have in this world, he also warned us of the enemy's agenda to steal, kill, and destroy. But you know what else Jesus said? He said, I have come that they may have life and live it to the full. We don't have to let the enemy steal any more of our joy, kill any more of our happiness, or destroy any more of our days. We've got Jesus. 
We can lean on Him to put a stop to Satan's thieving ways so that we can live life to the fullest. And I don't know about you, but I'm so ready for that. After we have a word of prayer, we're going to... Brother Ray Owens is going to come and share with us. And uh, I'd like to personally thank Ray for his part in... uh, As I I sent him a message this week, and I used the word as he's helping us through this time of intermission for us as a church. And uh, I'm just grateful for Ray's part in, in, uh, in keeping us going and, and blessing our, our, our family of believers. There's several requests mentioned uh, in the bulletin or our handout here. You can uh, glance at each of them and uh, be sure to lift each of them up with prayer during the week. One thing I would like to mention, we're uh, closer than probably each of us realized to to the election, coming up election. And I know people sometimes get a little bit sideways about talking about politics in church, and I get that to a point. But I think also it's it's important to uh, for us as Christians to take a stand on what we believe and, and uh, what we believe is honoring to God. And uh, so without going down a rabbit trail on all that, I would like to share this little, this little quote and a challenge to you. This is from... Uh, Ted Cruz, he said in the last election, 54 million evangelical Christians stayed home. If Christians will simply show up and vote our values, we'll turn this country around. So, for those of us that uh, have a problem with personalities or whatever, this isn't a popularity contest. We're not sending valentines to each other. We're, we're voting. We're voting for the future of our country, for our kids and our grandkids. And it's probably been beat, beat up, but this is, I would think, the most important election in the history of our country. So I say those words out of love and 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 challenge to each of you. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, for loving us and just being with us each step of the way. I pray that you'll bless the message this morning that Ray brings to us and uh, just pray that your will be done in in, uh, all that's said and done in, in this service and in the coming days and weeks. Amen. I was thinking about you're talking about intermission. 
you know, short intermission, but uh, I've gone 3,000 miles or so since the last time I spoke here, and uh, I feel like the same person, but that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Just all the traveling, driving too, not flying, of course. Uh, much of it by myself, but I do appreciate you, Marlon. Appreciate what you shared. Uh, I do agree that, man, you really can't say anything if you don't vote, but it's our responsibility to pray and vote. And um, if you're like me, you don't know where you'll be, praise the Lord. Or if you're 65 or older, you know you can get a ballot, you know, by mail or whatever. There's really no excuse not to do that. So it's very, very important. Um, I uh, kind of got a burden this morning. First of all, let me make something clear. I am no better than anybody else at all. And I think any pastor that God has truly called knows that, feels that way. But I do know I've been called, and the Spirit speaks to me sometimes, not that it's any better than anybody else. But I, I really got a burden this morning, and, and I felt like I should pause before I speak. Is this on? Or and I feel like I'm loud. Okay. I feel like I can hear myself think. Part of it's probably because one ear's plugged and the brain's plugged and everything else. <laughs> but uh, um, I liked what Marlon shared about the enemies out to get us, and that really is the true thing. Um, and I felt like for those here and for those who are at home, um, you know, I just have a burden. I think that, that there's a lot of struggles. Obviously, we get, got our second hurricane that got hit, and while I was out of town, we got back home, and thank goodness power was back on. But, you know, a lot of my friends are struggling. Some of you have shared with me you don't have power, and, you know, trees through houses of friends and all those struggles. But I'm talking also about struggles that we have in life and burdens that we have and loss. And even if it's been some time, memories come up. You know, um, Sister Nancy's kind of in the hospital. John's in the hospital. I think three or four others. So whether it's seventh floor or ICU, we all have friends there. Have, you know, elderly friend in Oak Grove in the hospital. Just a lot of people going through that. But even just struggles of loss and things that are in your life. And so... I just thought before we get started this morning, uh, I'd go back to the Lord in prayer. And for you at home, I know there's some of you that have had loss and struggles, and I just felt led that we would start this morning by saying God cares, and He wants to let you know that, and He wants to fill you in that void with His peace, which doesn't make sense, right, but passes all understanding. Would you just join with me and in prayer? Fathers, we bow here and around our homes and wherever we are. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us individually. Regardless of Ray Owens or anybody else that's speaking or what's going on, most importantly that your Holy Spirit would fall and speak to us right now. God, you know the need and Father, I believe that you're asking me to share with your people right now that you want them to cast every hurt, every care, every anxiety, every struggle, every unknown, and even what we think we know to you right now. Father, I pray that you would encourage your people that, God, we would rebuke Satan right now and his ability to remind us of our failures and of our faults. 
And I pray, God, that you would just give us the foresight to know that you're in control and you love us. I pray that you would now, on this side of glory, wipe away every tear, every hurt, every pain. That, God, we would feel this day your presence as the sun comes out after a hurricane and after a beautiful, a bad experience, a beautiful day comes. God, I pray a beautiful day would be in each heart. Put a smile on each face. And Lord, if it be your will, please bless this message that it might be challenging, yes, but encouraging. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Teresa Moore was 29 years old, lived in a small town in Alabama, had a kind of rough life, struggling. She was very, very tired, and uh, very, very tired, extremely tired. So she was walking along and saw a mattress somebody had thrown out by trash, trash men there, and she laid on it and fell asleep. The next thing she knew, she was being wakened up in a landfill in Georgia. That's one way to travel, isn't it? Um, the workers say they saw her legs sticking out of the trash and pulled her out and woke her up. She must have really been tired, okay? Uh, now, some of you are probably going, well, I sleep in a bed that's full of trash. You know, whatever. Well, clean it up, okay? But, you know, she woke up. And, you know, of course, good news is she was okay, which is amazing. And, you know, she just basically asked, how in the world did I get here? You know, how did you, you get here? And she had no idea. And I thought about that. Have you ever woke up one day or had a moment where you thought about it and you wonder, how did I get in this mess or where I am? Now, not maybe a trash bin, literally, but maybe even an argument, a situation. It could be anything. How did I get in this mess? And I'm sure if you've lived over at least 12 years, you probably have experienced that. And if you've lived several 12 years, you've experienced it several times. There's a major tendency in life to do life our way. It doesn't matter who they are. Because what's some of the first words a little kid will say? We all know, I love this, as a psychologist working with children and parents, I always loved it that, you know, mom, the, the mother, you know, spent nine months bearing this child. Getting up most of the time, doing all that, nursing, all that energy, you know, all those kind of things that they do, Right? And then the first word out of the kid's mouth that's understandable is da, 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 da. Is that not wrong or what? Well, there's a reason for that. Da, da, da is not really what they're not saying daddy, but it's kind of da, da. But it's easier to say, you know, mother, and it don't come out for a while. Mama, whatever. So that's, that's one of the, the, the things in life that, that, it, that we pour into, but... One of the first words that come out of their mouth that's really clear what they say is no. And, you know, you go, I bore you. I was up all night and you're telling me no? Okay, we know how God feels. He loves us. He bore us. He get, you know, planned out our life, gave us everything, everything in the world. And a lot of times we say no. Maybe not that clearly. But we say no. Some people say it a whole lot worse, no. Or there's a country song about that anyway, I'm sure. The Bible even tells us this is the problem. It says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the way and the path that leads is to what? Destruction, you know. Be careful. It can make a lot of sense. The world can vote on it. Um, there'll be a poll on it. 
all this, and it can be wrong. It's very important. You know, there's another mess when we try to do God's work our way. It's one thing doing our own thing. It's another thing when we try to do God's work our way. In other words, we're going to help God out. Anybody ever done that? Especially us church leaders and church folks and Christians. So we don't want to just run a, run a, we're, 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 okay, I won't run my life. I need to run my life for God. But we want to do what God wants us to do. But here's the deal. We want to do it now. And I would say I fit into that sometimes. Sometimes God is too slow for me. Now, for some of you, God's too fast. You know, God's encouraging you. Come on, do it. You can do it. I mean, it's time for you to step up, you know, and you go, well, let's just pray about it. Well, I want to tell you, if God's calling you, you know, I want to commit to go to church. I can pretty much tell you it's God's will for you to go to church. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling yourselves together, okay? There's so much of Scripture that will tell you what's up. But we have both extremes. And most of us have done that. So we've been looking at Abraham's life or Abram and Sarah's life, and I want to continue that today. And Abram, Abram had been promised, as you remember in our messages, all these descendants and a son, and that's a big deal back in those days. And, you know, they're getting older. It's not happening. So let me read to you Genesis chapter 16. I'll be reading it out of the original uh, version of the New Living Translation. Uh, verse chapter 16 of Genesis. But Sarah, Abram's wife, had no children. So Sarah took her servant, an Egyptian woman named Hagar, and gave her Abram to Abram so she could bear his children. The Lord has kept me from having any children. So go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham first arrived in the land of Canaan. So, sorry, sometimes I'm going to say Abraham. So Abram slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. When Hagar knew she was pregnant, uh-oh, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abram, it's all your fault. Now this servant of mine's pregnant, and she despises me. Though I myself gave her the privilege of sleeping with you, the Lord will make you pay for doing this to me. Abram replied, well, since she's your servant, you deal with her as you see fit. So Sarai treated her harshly, and Hagar ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a desert spring along the road, road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where, are you, where have you come from, and where are you going? By the way, I think the Lord says that to us through our life as well. I'm running away from my mistress, she replied. Then the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard about your misery. This son of yours will be a wild one, free and untamed as a wild donkey. He will be against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live at odds with the rest of his brothers. Therefore, Hagar referred to the Lord, who had spoken to her as the God who sees me. For she said, I have seen the one who sees me. 
Later, that well was named, a big long name, Bir Lahani, and it has still, it is still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old at the time. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of that word. Beautiful story, very interesting. So let's talk about that. Uh, on your outline, I think you have one on the back of your uh, bulletin. There I have an outline if you want to fill it out and we'll kind of run through that together. I've already talked about us wanting to do life our way. This is talking about trying to do God's work for him our way instead of his way. So I have, let's learn to do God's work God's way, basically. It, it's really important. And the first is, remember that God is as concerned about the process as the product. God is, is just as much, if not more, concerned about the process we go through than the end product. Abram made a huge mistake in this situation. At the beginning, he thought the point was to have a son. Now, here's what I want to, how many of you know God could have gave him a son anytime? In 86 years, you know, probably in 70 of those 86 years, he could have gave him a son. God could do that anytime. But God's working in Abram to become Abraham and to be the father that we all know of. Um, that obviously is in glory today. We've, we've, we've got scripture to back that up. But Abram at that time did not fully understand what God was doing. And he missed the point that I think you and I need to. It's not just what God's going to do through you. It's what God's going to do in you. So God wanted to do a work inside Abraham. Change his heart. Change his perspective. He wants to work inside us. And this is something we all miss and we all struggle with many, many times. God wants to do something from the inside out in all of us. Me, you, all of us. That's where it's at. We tend to think of God wanting us to get to the final destination. And I think we miss it if we say the final destination's heaven. I just want to get to heaven no matter what. In fact, I just want to barely slip in heaven just before the doors close. Well, that's pretty terrible, isn't it? God's not, by, by the way, you're not Captain Kirk and you're not going to beat science and nature and you're definitely not going to beat God. God sees the heart. God sees my heart. He knows. And that's, by the way, a great thing. But the things that we go through are to get us prepared to be where God wants us to be. I have a scripture on your outline there in James. For when your faith is tested, and by the way, we've been tested lately, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Now, I think many times we let an endurance be wasted. It's there to help us. It's there to encourage us. It's to make us stronger. And we go, at least I do, I can whine. I can cry. I can tell you whine ain't right. And I'm sure at least two of you in here can do the same thing, right? We let it get wasted. God takes us through the process so we'll be ready for anything. I was uh, kind of looking for illustrations, and I saw where uh, in 1973 World Championship of Skating, uh, Irina Radinina from Russia and Alexandra Zot 
Zaitsev, I can't really pronounce their names and I'm probably butchering it, it's the southern version of Russian. Um, and they were getting ready for the Winter Olympics and this story's famous because they're a pair skater and they're, sk and they're world class at the world championships. They're, they're amazing. Halfway through their routine, y'all seen them skate to music, they had technical difficulties and the music went out. Well, the uh, judge, there's one judge and then a panel of judges or kind of a referee, he's frantically trying to get them to stop. They kept going perfect. And after a little while, everybody's like this, after a little while, everybody's like, wow. And at the end, the entire audience at the world championships, 100% stood up and gave them a standing ovation. Why? How did they do that? How did they do that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. The music was within them. You follow what I'm saying? They didn't need to have it. They had practiced and practiced and practiced. They had done right in the little times when no one was watching and all. And so when everybody in the whole world's watching and the times come, they didn't need the music. It was within them. Now, I think that's a beautiful illustration to encourage you and me. That when no one's watching, practice doing right. Practice keeping your mind straight. When you go through a struggle, you can talk to God about it. That ain't a problem. You can let God have it. He can talk to you. That's great. But you do what's right, and then you're prepared when the moment comes, and you can do it regardless of the circumstances. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. I think on your outline I have a, yeah, we have a quote. Anxious hearts are easily susceptible to easy answers. There are more folks, as a practicing person and professional, I can tell you there's more folks and I'm not criticizing anybody, you know, I'm prescribed it, I understand that, on anti-anxiety medications. But there's a lot of anxiousness. My first sermon was on fear. Um, actually, Neil asked me to preach, a, was it last Christmas, I think it was, and I preached on fear not. He gave me fear not. I thought that was pretty cool. So evidently, I'm a fear not guy. But uh, anyway, so just something that, that I shared on. And there's so much anxiousness and anxiety. And all I'm saying, if you're anxious about something, you're easily susceptible to a quick, just do this and this will be the answer, or this is all you need to do, or trust the government, they'll take care of you. And if that's the case, Google it and see that that wasn't given to the Indians. Trust the government, we'll take care of you. You know what I'm saying? We, we take easy answers. And so many people are anxious and somebody comes up and gives you an answer, you take it. God's not interested in the easy answers. He's interested in changing our hearts within us where the outside doesn't affect us like that. We're not fickle. Number two, kind of leads into the number two. I guess I planned that, I don't know. Shortcuts can be life's most expensive toll roads. It's funny, your GPS, you can program it to avoid toll roads. Now, if you get in a big city, that's gonna mess you up. I'm just going to tell you, you might end up in an area of town you don't want to end up in, you know, because it's taking you the straight route or the shortest route or whatever. And I, I, going to Kansas, I have a oh, tag, tag thing sticker on my uh, Oklahoma sticker. And the reason I picked that is, you know, they put a little money on your credit card and you just fly through the tolls. And you can do it in Texas. Kansas and Oklahoma, so either way I go, I just, you know, you get in the left lane. Some of them, they want you to slow down to 60. Some of them, they have you slow down to 30. You know, but you just go right through. And, you know, 
this guy that just sped by you going, you know, 90 miles an hour, and he's sitting in the line, and you just, you know, right by, and they never catch you up because, you know, the time goes. You know, so I used to avoid toll roads, but I don't anymore. But shortcuts are not always, shortcuts are not always best. Now, do you think Abram thought God knew what he was doing? Um, it'd been 10, let's be honest with him. I'm not going to slam him because we're just, it'd been 10 years since he'd been given this promise. Actually longer than that, 10 years. And Sarah, his wife, who God gave him, comes up with an answer. We can fix this. God wants us to have a kid and a son, and I, I figured a way to, you know, get this up. Finagle it, as we used to say. We're going to take a shortcut. I want to ask you, have you ever taken a shortcut and it not end up right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Word of God says in a couple scriptures I have there in Proverbs, zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. In other words, for some people, they need to slow down, get their facts together, plan, and all that. That's one of the things of God's wisdom. The second one says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And I know people that are always, <laughs> I had a family member that, not dishonest in any way, but always in the latest scheme. I can't remember. One was way back there was uh, toilet paper filters for your car. You'd add a filter, an oil filter, an extra oil filter, and put a roll of Charmin in there. Okay, going to make a lot of money over that. The next one was water softeners. And that solved your pipes so that 600 years from now your pipes would be clean. And when you took a shower, the water would just run off and everything. Have you ever taken a super soft water shower? You don't even feel like you're clean. I mean, it's just like somebody put little bit of oil all over you or something, you know. And I see, what was the, the last one? In fact, I lost a lot in, in just stocks of my investments. MCI, the phone cards. Sometimes parents tell your kids about a time when there weren't cell phones and to call long distance you had a card and you put that number in. That'd be a neat historical lesson. Like 20 years ago, we didn't know what a cell phone was. You know what I'm saying. Just kind of, well, that went bust, right? Every one of them. And I just, this person, every time, was trying to get me to be a part of it. You know when you go to a family reunion, they're coming up to you, and you know what they're trying to do is get you to sign up for the latest deal. And I left two or three out, okay? And I just said, so-and-so, I'm just sorry, but I feel like God's meant me to just work the old-fashioned way and make money that way. Not any quick deals. It's just going to be the, my lot in life. I'm meant to work, spend less than I make, and one day I might have enough. You know what I mean? That was just, I'm sorry. And it kind of like got to them. Like, oh, okay. I'm not saying that's your deal. Your deal is to get rich quick and find the deal. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying for me, it's that way. They never got there, by the way. And now God's blessed me, and I, and, and I think, you know, Doing it right all along in the end has a lot of benefits. Bob Harris, 30, at the time was looking for a weatherman job. And this is in New York City at WCBS. And um, he went for an interview and he said he had a PhD from Columbia University in geophysics. He did a great interview. He got the job. His career was going crazy. 
Every, it was syndicated. It was going good. It was Dr. Bob. Nobody did anything on the weekend without Dr. Bob. You can Google it. It's pretty crazy. Until one day they got an anonymous letter uh, at the station, at one of his main stations, because he was working in several syndicated, and it says that he wasn't who he said he was. He didn't have a degree, a doctor's degree in, in weather. And I think it wasn't that long ago in my life I remember the Notre Dame coach had a similar thing happen to him. Um, had put down on his resume a few extra things that, by the way, didn't, in his case, didn't even need to be on there. And Dr. Bob's, it probably needed to be there. Well, they did a little testing, checked with Columbia University and everywhere else, and he didn't have any kind of degree. Um, so it cost him his job. It was very humiliating and even cost him his wife and his family because come to find out, a lot of things were a lie. And his quote is, I took a shortcut that turned out to be the long way around, and a bunch of other stuff, and at the end, and one day the bill came due. I will be sorry for this as long as I am alive. Now, on a positive note, Bob kind of humbled himself, and as a result of that, um, you know, he was good at doing weather. Uh, probably you don't need a PhD to be a weatherman. You need to just look at the map and spin the deal and you're about as accurate, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he evidently was pretty good, so he, he kind of got a second chance and got a job. Now, he never got where he was. But my point is, it's so tempting to take a shortcut. You know what I mean? To take a shortcut. And that's not going to end up good. And it's definitely not going to end up like Abram and Sarah found out. Thirdly, don't multiply your mess by avoiding it. Boy, is there a tendency to do that. All of us do that. What an interesting story how this scripture we just read in Genesis 16 matches Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, if you remember, that's the garden. And there's a lot of parallels. You know, Sarah's mad at the world and him. You know, Hagar and Sarah are mad at each other. Hagar's pregnant, upset, runs away. Sarah blames Abraham. And Abraham needed to own up and take charge, talk to God, and come up with an answer. But what did he do? He said, no, nah, it's your problem. You fix it. And, of course, that didn't go very good. Well, Adam and Eve. You know, Eve maybe messes up and comes to Adam. And what, what did he do? And, by the way, when God does it, he said, the woman you gave me made me eat the fruit. You see what I'm saying? And by the way, it's been working for me for years, Dinah. She can tell you. All the men in here, I'm just sorry about that, but it's true. We, we blame our wives for those kind of things. You know, you, you never escape life by avoiding it, and you never find a solution if you avoid it. That's all I'm trying to say. So wives, if your husband's saying that and you know it's not true, you need to mix it and say, hey, now let's talk. Maybe not at that moment if there's a little tension, but at some point deal with it. There was a guy, Steve, that was at a ball game, and he passed out, and he woke up in the ambulance going to the hospital. So where am I? You're in the ambulance going to the hospital. You just passed. Well, I'm fine. I'm good. So yeah, we know. All you got to do is I want out of here. No, you're going to the hospital. We'll check you out. You'll be out in minutes. Trust me. You don't even have to wait when you come in an ambulance. You just go right in. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll be out in no time. I don't want to be here. So he pulls the IV out, opens the door, and jumps out of the ambulance. True story. He gets hit by cars. He has, let me get this, a broken leg, a broken arm, 
several other bruises and banged up and, of course, maybe a concussion. Fortunately, there was an ambulance there. Okay, he might not be the smartest tool in the shed, but guess where he went? The hospital. And he didn't get out very quickly. It was several days. Do you get what I'm talking about? That's a good illustration of sometimes how we are in life when we try to avoid or we blame other people. And I think we all can be good at that. The, on your outlines, a little scripture from Proverbs. I always love to go to God's wisdom that he gave Solomon. People who cover over their sins will not prosper. Let me stop there and say this. You and I both know people who have a lot of sin in their life that's overt. Not judging anybody. You can see what's going on in their life. And it seems like they're being blessed. I can tell you there's several that I see that. But look, we see now on the outside. Every now and then God gives me in some cases where I see it some insight. But God sees the whole picture. And the word of God's clear. If you cover up sin, you're not going to prosper. You might for a little while, but you're not going to prosper. It says, but if they confess and forsake the sins, they will receive mercy. This really convicts me that I need to confess my sin and I need to forsake it when God shows it to me. Amen. And that's important. So we don't want to avoid it. We want to address it. Final point I have for you this morning. Do not despair as God's ability to redeem is as great as his willingness to forgive. Now, not only is God great enough to forgive Abraham and Sarah for what they did, God's great enough to redeem Hagar. I mean, is that amazing or what? Her life is a mess. Is she perfect? No. But she wasn't really a leader. She was just a slave girl. Okay? And she couldn't handle the power and the little attention. And yes, she didn't act right. But that's really about all she did wrong. Then she gets treated bad and she runs away. And the angel says, you know, that question that I think he asks us all the time. Where have you been and where are you going? Right? Where have you been? Where are you going? And although you in our life, you and I might seem like things are a mess, God's saying, go back. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to get things back on track. I'm going to take care of you. And Romans 8, I have on your outline 28. We all know that. And we all know that all things work to good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Here's the thing. You can even sin, do wrong, and God's still trying to redeem you. Isn't that amazing? You can mess up, mess up. He's still trying to redeem you and me. And even if we're not doing things right, there will be consequences for not doing things right. There will be consequences. But what's cool about that, even with those consequences, he's still striving to redeem us and get us back on track. Abraham, the whole book of Genesis about him is a story how he gave a promise. Abraham had faith, stepped out on faith, didn't know what he was doing, messed up multiple times, but kept growing, kept growing, learning from his mistakes. And it's a beautiful story of redemption. And Hagar is a beautiful story of redemption. Now, if there are any consequences to this mess up, that sometimes study where the origin, the origin of the Jewish people are and the origin of the Arab people are. 
study that and and did you did you read about Hagar talking I mean the angel saying what's going to happen to Ishmael and what kind of person he's going to be if you know anything about history and what's going on you can see that's been fulfilled and is being fulfilled this mess up has a lot of negative consequences but God's still striving to redeem through that process God has so much love. I've shared that with you so many times. I could, I'll probably share it with you till I'm, you know, can't talk anymore. God loves you more than you love yourself. Now, for some people, that's a lot. For some people, they don't love themselves much, so they don't think that's a lot. I'm telling you, God loves you more than you can imagine. He loves me the same way, and he loves to forgive, and he loves to restore. I've got down on your outline, no matter how far you wander, God always sees God always hears and he always cares. And in this case, he sent an angel and in some of your cases, he sent angels. I can tell you story after story, particularly with my wife working at Mercy and my daughter being a director at Mercy, multiplied ministries, you know, stories that are unbelievable, how God stopped suicide, stopped horrible things. But in our life, it may not be that dramatic, but God was there for you and there for me. I've got a closing little story I want to share with you. A young lady, uh, like many, Mandy, got off on the wrong trail, got around the cool crowd in high school and all that, of course quit school, ended up in prison, and it was there that she began to face reality, and it was there that she listened to God's call and found Christ in a very personal, real way. She accepted his free gift of forgiveness, and... Um, she wrote this poem and I wanted to read it to you. Today I woke up feeling more than alive. I have a new life and the will to survive. I've forgotten the hate that I once knew, picked up a love to carry me through. Once feeling weak, I now feel strong. I can feel remorse for the things I've done wrong. I've made a new promise. I can make it through this. I'm getting new beliefs, the old ones I won't miss. I'm already proud of the friends that I will gain and the release of the jealousy, the greed, and the pain. And when it's over and when it's said and done, my battle will be worth, worthy, settled, and won. And all there is left is just one thing to say. And that is, thank you, God, for the strength for today. Isn't that beautiful? How great is our God? How great is your God? He doesn't want to just wipe away sin. And so many of our believer brothers, and I believe they're going to heaven, but they believe they get saved, maybe as a child, and dunked under the water and their name's on a roster of a church and that's it. And they're missing out on so much. In fact, you know, I talked about forsake not the assembling yourselves together. It's not, I mean, when I travel, I mean, it's rare I miss a church service. I just, there's within me something that wants to, multiple reasons. I'm a church leader. I'm a pastoral leader. You know, I should set an example, but Really, there's something within me that wants to be around the family of God. 
And I actually like going to different groups when I'm traveling. You know, if I have a friend that's a pastor there, yes, I'll go see them. But if I'm in a place I don't know and I've learned some things, and some of it I go, you know, that's pretty cool. And some going, that isn't the way I'd do it, you know. <laughs> but it's good. It's, it's, I'm not there. It's not about me. I'm there to worship God. And when we come in this place, we're here to worship God and to thank him because his love is amazing. And he's about redeeming us. And there's no There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan's job is he's a liar and a reminder and a doubter because doubt's the opposite of faith. It's cancer. And he's always telling me, you're no good. Remember when you did that? You know? And we need to be like God. Remember the old story where we go, I distinctly remember forgetting that. Isn't that cool? When Satan does that, now if you really want to get bad to Satan, you can say, look dude, I might have messed up, but your future don't look too good and mine's looking really good right now. Ooh, I don't think I want to be around that guy. He's reminding me of my future. Let's go to the next. <laughs> this morning as we close, God may be calling you home like he did Hagar. You didn't maybe do anything that wrong. You just followed directions. You did what your parents told you to do. You write, you know, whatever in your life. And you find yourself not happy. And God may be calling you to come back home. Those of you on the internet, that might be the case. Maybe even some teenager who's out there somewhere that God lets them hear this. I just want to tell you, God, ask him, what's God want you to do? Maybe he's calling you home. Maybe God's calling some of us to a new belief, a new belief in how much we're worth, a new belief in how much he loves us, a new belief that we really can confess it and be forgiven and wiped away. And and yes, it's reminded sometimes and that maybe keeps us on the right track, but not condemned. Does that make sense? There's a balance with that. Or maybe we need a new release like Mandy in jail. I just hope you don't have to go to jail to get there. I do believe there are people that truly get saved in jail that honestly probably need to stay in jail and live in jail. It's sad. You know, I've I've worked with a few. It's sad. But you know what? God loves all of us regardless. And you know what? We tend to criticize people and look down on them. And yes, the consequences are worse for certain things. Well, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory. And we all need his restoration power. We all need his encouragement. And if you've got a kid, you need his grace. <laughs> if you've got a wife and husband, you need grace. Don't say amen. Okay? And all of us need to wait on God. All of us need to be able to wait on God. But when God calls, we need to move. How about you? Let's let God work in our life. Let's make sure we follow God working in our life, but let's don't do God's work for him. Let me tell you, your church here has great leadership. I'm not saying they're perfect or great people. I hadn't been around them enough, but I know they're people enough to know they're not perfect, they're human. But they are great. They love the Lord. They love this church. They're striving to do what God wants them to do. And I know about them. They want to do it God's way. And you know, we recently kind of got a boom. Uh Uh-oh, this isn't the way it's going to go. But I know God has a plan and he wants to work it out in his time. 
and thank Him that He loves. Do you not think He don't love this church and He loves the kingdom and He wants what's right? He's got the right answer down the line. So let's pray for our leaders. Let's encourage one another as well when things don't seem to be going right. But let's don't do God's work for Him. Let's let God do His work through us. Amen? Would you bow with me? Fathers, we bow our heads in this sanctuary and at home. Again, I pray for your Holy Spirit to move. Thank you that you have spoken to us with words of wisdom out of Proverbs and a story, a powerful true story out of Genesis. And your Holy Spirit has spoken to us about not just doing things our way, but trying to even do God's work a little earlier or maybe laying off of doing God's work in our life. But knowing that, Lord, just like you forgave Abraham and Sarah, thank you, Lord. That's a lot of hope for us. God, you also wanted to redeem Hagar. And God, no matter where we are, you want to redeem us. You're always there for us. And man, the proof of that is, is, is clear in sending your son Jesus for each person in this room and, and hearing this message. You proved it by sending the best, a part of you who became flesh and lived among us and showed us a lifestyle and taught us and is alive today and sins and speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. So you've proved it. You want to redeem us and you want to encourage us and you want to draw us home. So God, draw us back. May today be a day of encouragement regardless of the circumstances. We may be by that tree at the well and need to go back home. We may be walking home and doubting whether we should go home. And Lord God, we might return to not such a great circumstance, but if we know we're doing what you want to do and you're doing a work within us, give us peace and endurance and grace and mercy and Lord, may we be like Joseph when we go through tough times. One day we find ourselves ruler and second in command to the whole world at that time. Because we know when we humble ourselves before you, God, you lift us up. And boy, when you lift us up, it's, it's up there. Thank you, God, for loving us. Would you now allow your spirit of love to fall on all of us? And may we respond to you by committing even silently where we are or when we sing, recommitting our lives to you and a desire to be used by you and do your work your way in our life. In Jesus' name.